Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back, finally, for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm commercial appeal columnist. Uh, Mark Giannato. I am joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer at the Commercial Appeal. Uh, I, I don't even know if we did a wrap-up podcast from last season. Everything ended so abruptly, Jason. I, 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 I think I seem, to, I seem to remember that we talked about possibly doing one in the car on the ride home from Fort Worth, um, but it just never – it was – everything was so nuts that it just didn't – it didn't – it wasn't conducive. It's funny. That, that is like the demarcation line for when the pandemic started. For me, I'm, I'm guessing for you too, like us driving home from the AAC tournament after the Memphis basketball season ended abruptly. Yeah. Was, um, driving back from Fort Worth to Memphis. Yeah, it was like – I think we stopped at a – the last stop we made on that trip was a gas station in West Memphis, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, uh, that that was like – for a long time, that was the last uh, <laughs> beacon of freedom that, we, uh, that, we had, that I had. So, yeah, that, I'll never forget that, uh, that pit stop. Well, a lot's happened since then with yeah. basketball. Uh, they're practicing now for this coming season, um, which will start in a little over a month from when we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, October 21st. And, but, I mean, when you think about everything that's happened since then, um, so the season ends, Precious Achua declares for the draft, um, Tyler Harris transfers, okay? But then you get, Landers Nolly is a grad transfer. You get Musa Cisse as a five-star recruit. You get DeAndre Williams as a transfer. Um, you lose Mike Miller. Um, but then you go and you um, successfully recruit a, a really good 2021 class that we'll get into here. Um and and now you, you learn that you've learned that Landers Nolly is eligible for this season to join what looks like it's gonna be a pretty talented roster. Um, don't forget the don't don't forget there was a, a, a few positive tests that uh, you're dealing with COVID nineteen. Um, that's like distilling it into the Cliff Notes version or not even Cliff Notes, but we're gonna so for this podcast, this for our first podcast back. Dun, dun, dun. Um, 
<laughs> we're going to break this into three three categories. We're going to talk about the roster. We're going to talk about the recruiting that's happened um, since uh, we last we last podcasted, and, and then we're going to talk about the schedule because we don't know what it is here on October twenty first, and the season is set to start November twenty fifth. So five weeks five weeks from today. Five, five weeks from today. today. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's, uh, quite a bit to discuss. So let's, let's first talk about this season, the roster that Memphis has put together, Jason, um, because I think sometimes with, with COVID-19, with recruiting, with, you know, the NCAA stuff, the IRP stuff, which we haven't even mentioned because that hasn't, you know, nothing, we haven't really gotten any news out of that in a, in a while, but Sometimes it can get lost, like, oh, by the way, this team this season, if we can pull off this season, this team should be pretty good. Um, yeah. Maybe, you know, I think even though you lose Precious, a potential first-round pick, I think it's a team that might be better than last year's team. The team that was there once Wiseman left, I think this team might be better. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um I mean, yeah, Precious was such a dynamic um, presence uh, on, on the roster. But, you know, especially when you take DJ Jeffries out of the mix last year, they, they you know, you're certainly more improved than, than that version of the Tigers. There just seems to be a little bit more versatility, a little bit more depth. Um, you know, outside of Precious last year, they were, they were not that their interior presence was mostly precious with a little bit of Lance Thomas uh some Malcolm Dandridge and then outside of that it was that was it I mean but you know you you they've beefed up the uh that part of the roster and while also um adding like you said uh Landers Nolly um DJ Jeffries is fully healthy everybody who is back is a year older a year more experienced so I, I yeah I think I think what what they've done oh and 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 we failed to mention Ahmad Rand the junior college uh best junior college shot blocker in the country for the last two years um is now part of the, well, well, part let's, of the roster. let's go through what a potential rotation could look like all right this roster right now okay so Right now, I guess you've got uh, Boogie Ellis penciled in as the starting point guard. Would you say that's uh, – I think that it's his job to lose, yes. I, and I think that is actually an important, uh, I don't know, storyline to follow maybe, like how he does at point guard. Yeah. Because when you look at – and we're going to name some of these guys, there's a lot of people who can put the ball in the bucket on this team. At least that's the hope. Um, yeah. including Boogie Ellis, like, you know, you know, Boogie Ellis, you know, he had a, he had a up and down first year, tough, tough times. He probably struggled more than he thought he would. And he struggled more than I think fans thought he would and yep. media thought he would given, given his recruiting ranking. Um, but there's been a lot of chatter that he has looked really good during the preseason and the off season. He's put on, put on some muscle it looks like from social media posts um but they need him they don't need it like i mean maybe they can have a the type of 
flexible lineup and flexible offense where they don't need him to distribute and set up people. Right. I feel like every good lineup has that, that guy. You know, you can't just have five scores on the floor. So that's going to be something interesting for Boogie. Um, at the guard spots, I mean, you've got you've got Nolly, the other guard spots. You've got Nolly. You've got um, you've got. I don't know if DJ Jeffries counts. He's more of a wing, but like that two, three, four spot. DJ Jeffries, Lester Quinones. Um, there's also Damian Baugh to consider. Lance um, Thomas. Lance Thomas, um, Jaden Hardaway. Yep. Who 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 out of those names do you think is starting? And pl- and then who do you think is maybe like the first guy off the? Do you think they start Nolly Jeffries and Lester Quinones all three go this baller lineup? I do, I do. I think I th- I just I mean I know that Penny sort of um, last year. Uh, especially subscribed to at least early, ha- you know, having that second wave be really strong. I mean, you know, you had Lomax coming off the bench, you had Tyler Harris coming off the bench, and you had DJ Jeffries coming off the bench. Uh, you had DJ Jeffries coming off the bench um, for, for, you know, early last year. And I know he kind of liked that. He liked to be able to for that second wave to be strong. But uh, I think you can still have strong pieces coming off the bench, even though you've got Lester Quinones, Landers Nolly, and DJ Jeffries filling the two, three, four um, spots on the floor. Yeah, no, I think an interesting – like a like a, a factor that could change things is DeAndre Williams. is If he's eligible – you do wonder where he fits in, even if he's not necessarily starting right away. That's a piece. He's different than than just about everyone on the roster because of his, you know, his size plus his versatility. Um, like he's, I think he, I think he's bigger than than DJ Jeffries. Yeah, I think he's got super six man written all over him. Um, yeah. and I've talked to some he's people. Eligible. Do you think he's going to get eligible? <laughs> The way they're hand, the way they're the way they are approving um, the way they're approving waivers, I, it's hard to to see them not. It's hard I just to see wondering, wouldn't waivers. they have approved it already if they were going to approve it? That's you would what I think. About. You would think, but the chatter is that that Evansville is not being particularly cooperative throughout this process. So if if that's all that it is, and you know, eventually they'll sort of get over that hurdle. Then I would think he'll get. I would think he'll get approved. And if he does, I mean, I've talked to people within the program who say that he is, he has X factor ability, um, and and could mean the difference between you know two to three extra wins um, just by having him on the floor. Gotcha. So you've got we've got right here. We've got Boogie. And then it doesn't matter what position you got him at, but Nolly, Jeffries, and Lester Quinones as your four or your five stars. And then you start Musa at the five? Yes. Yes? Yes. I just – I mean, you know, 
let him let him show what he's got. Show you know, out, out off the out of the game lineup, he doesn't need to score. Like with with those four guys with him, he doesn't need to score. Yep, yep. And I think I think again, I think let let him show you what he can and can't do out of the gate, and then adjust if he if he's in over his head, if he's if he's better off the bench, then 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 do that. But uh, you know, until he shows that he can't do it, I would say go with him in the starting lineup. Gotcha. And then you guys, you're kind of your backup guards. You'd have Lomax and Damian Ball. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe Jaden Hardaway from time to time. Um, yep. And then in the paint, you've got DeAndre Williams, Malcolm Dandridge, Isaiah Rand, for sure. Is bad. You know, I guess DeAndre Williams is for sure. And then Isaiah Stokes, who um, it sounds like he hasn't been with the program recently, but we'll see. Maybe, yeah, who knows? Maybe, hopefully he's available, but we don't, you know, it sounds like it's a question mark at this point. Would that, would that be accurate to say? Yeah, I mean, it's like a cautiously optimistic question mark would be how I would categorize that. Gotcha. <clears throat> um, so, I mean, I just think it's a good that, – that's, it's, it's got depth. You've got, you, you've got a nice starting lineup. And then you've got – like, for instance, if Boogie Ellis – Turns out he they need a point guard who can distribute, and Boogie Ellis isn't the guy. They've got options like Damian Ball and Alex Lomax behind him to 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 help, you know, to to uh, to provide some versatility, if you will, or some options. You know, if Nolly, Jeffries, or Quinones are off, like it, it, you've got Lance Thomas as an option behind them. We didn't mention him earlier. You've got DeAndre Williams as an option, but you also, you know, because you've got three guys like that now, Nolly, Jeffries, and Quinones, who can hopefully put the ball in the bucket for you, you know, chances are all three of them are not going to be off, or all four if you include Boogie. Chances are all four of those guys are not going to be off on the same night. And they're uh, talented. Yeah, and they're talented enough that if even if they are, a couple of them are off. That, that you can get by, you know, you don't have to do like a wholesale um, shakeup, you know, if, if it looks like one or two of them is off, you don't have to shake things up crazy. You know, uh, you can still kind of go. I think that, that, that group is talented enough that you can get by, you know, maybe not long-term, but at least, you know, maybe on, on a here and there basis, you can, you can, uh, you can, you can tread water with, with that if, if there are a couple that are off. Well, and then the other part of this is what does the schedule look like that these yeah. guys will play? Because obviously the goal this year, it's very clear. You know, like if the, I, I put this in a column in, in the commercial appeal, if there is an NCAA tournament this year, and hopefully there is, and it looks like, you know, these schools and, and the NCAA are going to basically do everything they can to make sure there's an NCAA tournament this year because of the amount of money at stake. But if there's an NCAA tournament this year, Memphis basketball needs to be playing in it. Like that, the goal is like, we can talk about making a run to the sweet 16, whatever. Like I do think this team is capable of doing that, but to me, they got to get to the NCAA tournament. Like everything else is gravy at this point. You need to end this streak that started in 2014 um, and get and, and get this program to the NCAA tournament, and and it's it's important for Penny, I think, because every good Memphis basketball coach 
since Gene Bartow has made the NCAA tournament by, the by year three on the job. So, yeah. um, and he's got the ro- he's he's done a nice job retooling the roster in a way where he's got like I mean like this team should make the NCAA tournament. Yes, um, and. I think it looks like, like we don't know for sure, but it looks like the schedule will be good enough to where they don't need to go like 26 and one to get a good seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, yeah. hopefully. I mean, we don't know yet. So basically, if you're not aware, the parameters for this season, it's starting two weeks later on November 25th. Teams are allowed to play as many as 27 games. So Memphis is going to play 27 games. Three of them are allowed to be at a multi-team event. And so in Memphis's case, they are going to play uh, – they were supposed to play in the Battle for Atlantis down in the Bahamas. They've traded the Bahamas uh, over Thanksgiving. And, Jason, you in, in uh, conjunction have also traded the Bahamas for this destination. Yeah, that's Fall true. South Dakota. The crossover classic at the what is it the Sanford Pavilion, Pentagon, Sanford Pentagon. Pentagon. Oh, it's a Pentagon. It is. Oh, it is. It's um. Yeah. But so Memphis, that's going to be Memphis's multi-team event, and then they're playing twenty-four other games. Um, twenty of which will be AAC games. They're going to play a true round robin this year in AAC play, play, where they play every team home and away. So we know what. We know what 23 of their games are going to be. 20 of them are going to be against the AAC, and then three of them are going to be at this crossover classic in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, we do know, we found out last week, Memphis's season opener on Wednesday, November 25th in Sioux Falls. So that Sioux Falls tournament will be their first uh, games, and their first game added is going to be against Ohio State. Yeah. Um, and then they'll play either – the next day on Thanksgiving Day for their second game of the year, they'll play either um, Texas A&M or West Virginia. Um, yes. and, then, and then they could potentially have a – there's Creighton, Dayton, Wichita State, and Utah, the, Utah are the other teams they could, they could face in their third game. Yes. So really good, pretty good tournament to start things off. Um, where they're going to get, we know that we know they're going to get at least two Power Five, you know, like big conference opponents out of this event, and probably end up with three pretty solid games out of this out of this event. Um, and then you got the twenty conference games, and then what? What do you think, Jace? This is what I wanted to ask you. For we'll, we'll get into the crossover classic in a second, but what do you think? about the other four games Memphis has to schedule a non-conference play. Do you have any inkling uh, about what those four games might look like? Yeah, so, um, I mean, we talked to Penny last week, late last week, last Friday, and he said he indicated that he gave sort of the, the most definitive, even though it wasn't necessarily definitive, it's been the most definitive um, sort of, indication about what the Memphis Tennessee the Memphis UT game in Nashville that was scheduled for like mid-December he seems to think that it's going to be pushed to next year so you can I would say it's a safe bet that that's not going to happen this year um 
And then Jeff Crane, uh, the Memphis Deputy Athletics uh, Director, went on um, Sports 56 yesterday and said that they will play two home games, two non-conference home okay. games. So and who that, that is? probably going to be two bye games, right? <clears throat> oh, I would think so, yeah. Because we've yeah. already got the report from John Rothstein that the game Memphis was supposed to play at home against St. Louis – which was supposed to be part of a home and home series with St. Louis has gotten pushed back a year as yep. well. Yeah, so we're probably looking at two bye games. I would think that's what I would think. Um, I, 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 you know, so, so that it could be, you know, it could be Central Arkansas, it could be Arkansas State, it could be Murray State, it could be, you know, these are the teams. I bet the Murray State game doesn't happen because that was supposed to be in conjunction with the Grizzlies game, right? The whole point of it was, you know, to, with the John Morant connection. I would guess that's a game that gets pushed to next year when you can actually do it in conjunction with a Grizzlies game. Yeah. So, but then again, <clears throat> given the um, crazy nature of this whole uh, this whole year, um, it could be teams that they didn't that they weren't going to play. You know, they weren't already yeah. scheduled to play. So um, that would leave two more. Uh, that gets you to that gets you to twenty three twenty five. That would leave two more non conference games. So I, I don't know what that means for the holiday hoops giving thing. Do they do they still play Auburn on December twelfth in Atlanta? Do they pull? I think that game that? is going to happen. From what I've been told, I like my guess is of all the SEC games that they had scheduled, I think Auburn is the safest one in terms of which one gets played. So because it's. There were contracts signed with that. So if that hoops giving event happens, which like, it is, yeah, yeah, like they, there were contracts signed for that game. So, so then, so then, if they play that game, then maybe the last one would, could be either Ole Miss or Georgia, or it could be something else, something else random. It depends if those SEC teams want to play. You know, like doesn't seem like Tennessee wants to play Memphis anyways. Right. I, I my hope is is like you know you said Penny indicated it's probably going to get pushed. I'm fine with that. I actually think that's a good thing because I'd rather see that game played in a full arena split down the middle in Nashville, Memphis, Tennessee, rather than see it played in front of like 2,000 people. Um, But I just want to make sure Tennessee is pushing and not trying to weasel out of the game. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I I think, and and Penny indicated that he, you know, he was like, we would, we want it to be where we can have fans there. So um, I think that is the primary uh, driver behind that decision. But, you know, you were talking about the schedule and, and, and getting to the NCAA tournament and things like that. I mean, like, as we sit here and talk about the level of competition that they're going to be playing, you know, 20 games in the AAC, three games at the uh, in South Dakota against at least two Power 5 teams. And then if the third one is not Power 5, it's going to be a pretty quality team. Mm-hmm. You know, Creighton's no no – Creighton's a top 10 team in some of these preseason polls. Yeah. Was a top five team last year. I know they don't have Obi Toppin, but they've got uh, Jalen Crutcher from Ridgeway High School here. Yep. Still back. Uh, So, and then. So I think. Yeah. It's a good field. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, if they play Auburn, if they play uh, whoever else they play in the non conference, you know, the record may not necessarily be. overly sexy by the end of the year but I think Memphis is good enough to where whatever their record is 
by the end of the year within reason, it will be good enough. They'll, they'll be in, in position to, to be in the NCAA tournament, I think, by well, the time it's all said and done. And I like that this team isn't getting as much hype outside of – really anywhere, inside Memphis or outside Memphis – as last year's team, because I think we saw last year, like it is. And I think Penny has realized it through his first two years. Like there's 20 conference games and like to just like, yes, should Memphis be favored and will probably be favored in like 16 or 17 of those 20 conference games. I I think so. I mean, like Houston's going to be pretty good this year. Um, Cincinnati's probably going to be pretty good again. Yeah. Cincinnati, like, you know, it's always tough to win, beat those teams, Houston and Cincinnati. I think South Florida is going to be pretty good this year. Um, I don't know about Wichita State. Who knows? I don't know if they're going to even have Greg Marshall as their coach when the season starts. Who knows? Right. Um, but those 20 conference games are going to be tough. Like, you're going to – like, and so I think it's – like, I think it's going to be a good schedule. I think it's going to be the type of schedule where they can lose – like, they can go 22-5 and five, and still feel pretty good and right. still feel like 22 and five. And they won't be like playing to get in the tournament at the end of the year. They'll be playing to like get a better seed, you know? Um, yeah. I just think it's, you know, we're like even something less than that. I think they're going to have a decent enough, a good enough schedule where um, they can have some hiccups early if they, if, if need be, but yeah. at the same time, I mean, we'll see see how they come together with Nolly because he's a new face and so's Musa. But I like the roster. I like the makeup of it. That, you know, that, that number one recruiting class from last year, we all focused on James and Precious because they were the stars. They're the guys who are going to get picked in the first round of the NBA draft next month. But you can now see it's also provided just a fantastic foundation for this team with Boogie, Lester, uh, DJ, um, you know, Malcolm Dandridge, who we haven't really mentioned. Like, you've got a nice foundation um, where you're starting to build the sort of program that, frankly, everyone but Kentucky and Duke has to build to be really good, which is you, like, get old and stay old. You don't just – you're not constantly bringing in seven-person recruiting classes. And, like, Penny had to do that because of the hand he was dealt by Tubby Smith. But um, and I think it, if we to wrap things up here, talking about recruiting, the 2021 class looks like it's going to be another class that you know if things play out well with everything, you know whether it's the IARP or whatever, like it's another class that sets you up really well for the future. It seems like tell. What, what have been your impressions covering their recruitments, covering their commitments of the three recent 2021 commitments for Memphis? Josh Minot, um, John Camden, um, excuse me, four, Jordan Nesbitt, and Sam Iamide. Because they're the four of them have all committed over the last month or so, and now Memphis has the number three recruiting class in the 2021 recruiting class, which is um, – Pretty darn impressive, given all of the circumstances Memphis is dealing with. They, they're down an assistant coach. They're in the middle of a pandemic. They have an NCAA infractions case looming over them. Um, Penny hasn't made the NCAA tournament his first two years. Like, it is, it is remarkable 
what what Penny and Tony Madlock and um, Cody Topper um, accomplished. So, yeah. what, what what have been your impressions, Jason? Well, I think the best thing about what they've done with the pieces that they or you know with what they've put together is is that it's a you know it's a very balanced um it it fills it it addresses specific needs um you know they they think that uh they're gonna need another shot in the arm um big man wise i mean i who knows if musa Cisse is going to be a one and done guy I, I i don't know that he is today i don't think he's projected necessarily to be a one and done guy but he's got potential to be i i suppose if he comes out and i think he, you know, i think joke. he's planning to be let's put it that way yeah yeah no i i think that's true um you know so but whether whether they lose him whether um you know somebody transfers whether uh you know what have you i think they they did a good job of going out and getting a, a big man they wanted um you know and I, and I think, again, uh, John Camden sort of is a versatile guy. Jordan Nesbitt is a versatile guy. They're getting – they did a good job of going out and getting guys who can do can do several different things very well. Josh Minot is another versatile guy. Um, and, I, and so I think by, by, by getting guys like that, they're, they're showing, you know, that they're committed to um, – to, to sort of filling out their roster with positionless type guys. Um, you know, but I think that the, the, probably the best thing as it stands now is that there's no surefire one and done guy uh, out of that group. Um, you know, they've got guys that they feel like are going to be around for a few years. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of in contract, you know, they, they didn't necessarily think they were going to have Boogie Ellis for four years. They didn't, obviously they knew Precious Chua wasn't going to be around four years. James Wiseman wasn't going to be around four years. So they've kind of, they seem to be committed with the 2021 class to some stability. Um, and even though it is a pretty good number, it's four younger guys, you know, it's four high school guys. I think they're looking to sign at least one more in that class. And, it's, you know, you, you try to get the best class you can. Um, but if it turns out that, say, there's a guard that you really, really like who's, who's a high school guy and you can't get him, then you can wait and start looking at transfers. Next year is going to be the first year where you can transfer without having to sit out. So uh, that sort of solves the problem of reshuffling the deck uh, you know, you're not going to be just young again. You're still going to have some, some, uh, you know, some pieces that give you some veteran, what, uh, some veteran presence. It also seems like this is a clear reaction to what happened in 2020 with Jalen Green and Greg Brown, yeah. and even even R.J. Hampton before that, where they got, you know, they got beat out late by some factors that were outside of their control. And not it, clearly they're still going after some top 10 top, you know, those, those really, really the, the type of recruits that could go to the G league and type of yeah. like that. 
but they're not focusing as much energy on it. It feels like they've adjusted to like that 25 to 75 range. And I think it's really smart. I've been, I've been really impressed with what they've, how they've adjusted on the fly, their recruiting strategy. It's, I mean, frankly, the recruiting part of things is where I think Penny has always been uh, seemingly like one step ahead of, of most people in college hoops from the moment he got the job, like because he came up in that environment, um, the AAU environment, he's just, he's got such an, he's got a really good finger on the pulse of what's happening in the recruiting world. And I think, frankly, I think what's, what he's done this off season with no official visits, you're doing everything over the phone. Like he has shown that his sophistication as a recruiter is uh, is something to behold. Like it's he's really he's just really good. It, it, it's very clear. Yeah. Um, like these aren't guys he coached in high school. Like he's just really good at recruiting. And I think he's he's done a good job of recognizing where he might be able to take a step back. You know, as they're going through these Zoom calls, as they're going through these phone calls. You know, and and these day-to-day recruiting, um, you know, uh, enterprises, he, he kind of, he knows where his assistants are, where their strengths are. And so he, he's smart about, you know, uh, playing to his strengths and then stepping back and knowing when to step back and let his assistants play to their strengths. And I think that's paying off. Yep, it is. Well, we'll, we, uh, once again, we're about five weeks away from the start of college basketball season. We're going to start doing these podcasts weekly again, I think. I think um, so. Yeah, as we ramp up to this, uh, what should be an exciting 2020-2021 college basketball season. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet. Yeah. But, uh, it, it, you know, if there's games played, Memphis looks like it's going to be a, a pretty darn good team. So, We'll have uh, plenty more in the weeks ahead as we get as we get closer to the season. A schedule comes out. We've got the NBA draft coming up soon with James Wiseman and Precious Achua. So lots for us to get to here on the podcast. Uh, we hope you'll keep joining us. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, Till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Uh, have a good week. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.